0: From GreenBiz Group, welcome to Center Stage, the best of live interviews from GreenBiz Events. I'm Joel McCauer.
1: You know, we can't solve a problem like climate change unless we believe that we can. And so, probably the most limiting factor to getting to a better future in climate change is knowing that we can actually do it. And that's what Drawdown tried to do, is saying, hey, we add up these solutions, they are more than enough to not only stop climate change, we can actually begin to reverse it if we implement technologies we have right now.
0: That was John Foley, executive director of Project Drawdown. I sat down with him at the Green Biz 19 conference in Phoenix, Arizona, to discuss how businesses can implement the climate solutions outlined in the book, Drawdown, the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to reverse global warming.
1: Let's listen in.
0: John, I think uh, just to get level set really quick, uh, people probably heard of Project Drawdown or they've read the book Drawdown. But what is, just give us the elevator pitch.
1: Well, Project Drawdown is really the world's kind of go-to source for climate solutions. Uh, it was founded a couple of years ago by people like Paul Hawken, Amanda Ravenhill, Chad Frischmann. A number of people thought, hey, wait a minute, uh, what if we wrote down the solutions to climate change and analyzed them uh, with a consistent method across energy sectors, like electricity, transportation, heating, manufacturing, and so on, but also forestry, agriculture, materials, and everything, and do a real apple-to-apple comparison and ask a few simple questions, like, you know, are we screwed or not? (laughs) You know, uh, what would it take to solve climate change? And how do we communicate that to people so they can actually do it? And uh, so they um, did this analysis and looked at 100 different solutions to climate change, ranked them from number one to number 100, basically. And wrote a book, which strangely became a New York Times bestseller. Uh, People really wanted to know, could we solve the problem? But more importantly than the analysis in some ways is the group uh, that put this together. um, Those individuals, uh, um, Catherine Wilkinson, Crystal Chisel, and about 80 research fellows. There's a huge team that did all this work. They also changed the nature of the conversation itself. Uh, One of the things I really learned by uh, joining Drawdown, I just joined a few months ago, is that you know We can't solve a problem like climate change unless we believe that we can. And so probably the most limiting factor to getting to a better future in climate change is knowing that we can actually do it. And that's what Drawdown tried to do, is saying, hey, we add up these solutions. They are more than enough to not only stop climate
0: change, we can actually begin to reverse it if we implement technologies we have right now. Yeah. So as you said, you joined just a few months ago, but you've been involved at Drawdown since its very inception, and particularly in your role your former role as the uh, director of the California Academy of Sciences. Um, And you are a scientist uh, by background, and you are of that uh, exceedingly rare breed of, of, of scientists who are articulate yeah, I know, uh, to a lay audience who <laughs> to, can talk to a lay audience in, in, in relatively plain speak, and, um, but bring this incredible uh, wealth of knowledge. So I've always appreciated that about you, John. But where, where are you today? So the book came out like three years ago, and, um, and you're, you're now the director. Is there a 2.0 version of Drawdown? Yeah, I think we can call what happened already um, <clears throat> this analysis of 100 different
1: climate solutions which, I hope we get to talk about it, kind of surprised people. A lot of the top solutions aren't the ones you think they might be. But the other thing was this book that came out that really changed the conversation, at least for a couple million people paying attention to climate change. Uh, sold a lot of books, has been on two TED Talks, came out recently, a bunch of things like that. But now we're imagining Drawdown 2.0. And we want to move in two directions. If on 1.0 analyzed 100 solutions at the global level and changed the conversation for a few million people, we want to really take it up several quantum levels at once. Instead of a few million people hearing that climate change might be solvable, we want a couple billion people to hear that, because we can't change the world again unless we believe we can. And we have to change that zeitgeist, that mindset, from doom and gloom to at least possibility that we can make a better world. But moving from just describing 100 drawdown solutions at a kind of global level, we want to work with businesses, investors, philanthropists, cities, and others to implement those 100 solutions. So we talked about 100 solutions for the world, but what would 100 solutions look like in your firm, or your supply chain, or with your customers, or in the city of Portland, or Phoenix, or whatever? So we want to kind of go boots on the ground with real leaders who are willing to kind of jump ahead and look at the entire board of climate solutions and see where we can
0: really make a difference right now. Well, let's talk about some of the solutions. And there were a couple that come to mind. Uh, There were 80 solutions and 20 coming attractions. That's right. And 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 just what was I think really extraordinary, remarkable, what these 80 scientists, researchers, uh, uh, did was to quantify and and create uh, apples-to-apples comparisons from a. uh, cost and and and, and uh, greenhouse gas emissions and just to be clear, because it, it, it just is this is about not st- slowing climate change. This is about reversing climate change. This is about drawing down carbon, not just emitting less. And I think that's a sea change in and of itself. Uh, just a, in, a, in mental thinking, because we've always talked about how do we do less bad, but now this is actually how do we repatriate carbon uh, back to... And, and so, so the first one, which is I think the one that surprises people, number one on the list was refrigeration, yep. which I think is as uh, much about uh, the future of air conditioning in in in, wor- in warm climates, but talk a little bit about that and the role of women that I think is also surprising to people.
1: Yeah, a lot of people, when they think about climate solutions, jump to uh, not only just energy, which is Grossly wrong, only about 60% of climate change has anything to do with energy. But then they jump to electricity only. Uh, Think solar panels and windmills and stuff. Great, that's fantastic. But even if we decarbonize the entire electrical grid of the planet, you've only solved 25% of climate change. The next biggest sector is agriculture, food and deforestation, which is also about 25%. Those two together are half the problem of climate change. Uh, But there are other things, too. It isn't just carbon dioxide. It's not just energy. I keep on saying this, but we have to look at the entire board if you want to win this chess game, and there are a lot of pieces on it. They include methane. They include nitrous oxide. They include fluorinated gases, which include the things in our refrigerators and air conditioners. You know, back in the 70s, we moved from ozone-harming chemicals like chlorofluorocarbons to hydrofluorocarbons in our air conditioning and cooling systems. They're ozone-friendly, but they're not climate-friendly at all. Those gases, if they leak into the atmosphere, are molecule for molecule about, I don't know, two to 3,000 times more capable of trapping heat than CO2 is. They're called superpollutants. So it turns out that was like the number one solution is making sure that we don 't leak refrigeration gases out into the atmosphere when we dispose of old air conditioners uh, you know um refrigerators, freezers, all those kind of cooling devices. And as the world gets wealthier and people in the tropical countries and developing countries get more air conditioning, more and The temperature gets hotter. Yeah, and the world's getting warmer, yeah. You can imagine where this goes. And it, of course we want you know the next billion people to have comfortable places and safe food. Of course we do. But could we use other gases, things like ammonia, instead of hydrofluorocarbons, or ways of capturing hydrofluorocarbons so they don't get into the atmosphere? Uh, into it interestingly a company that you know makes uh, turbo tax and QuickBooks and that kind of stuff they were looking at how could they do a kind of greenhouse gas offset and they could have planted trees and put up solar panels and I think they have. But they actually sent a team to Ghana to large landfills there and work with people to recover and then destroy those powerful greenhouse agents from thrown away air conditioners or refrigerators.
0: Really amazing. Yeah, well, I want to get back in a minute to some other examples of how the corporate sector can, can yeah. get involved. But the other one, as I said, um, there were oh, yeah. two actually that had to do with women and girls. Uh, talk about those. Those are surprising. Well, that's another interesting thing, too, is
1: a lot of environmental groups, and naturally, talking about things like population is really tricky because ultimately it talks about the most inalienable human right there is, uh, having children and when and how you decide to do that. So we should never be talking about population control. And God, that you know that's so draconian and awful. But it turns out the best thing we can do to maybe shift the future population of our world from maybe 9 billion, keeping it closer to 8 billion or so, the best thing we can do is give girls opportunity. So it's educating girls and uh, family planning. And just let people decide what they want to do. It's nobody imposing anything, just education and doctors. That's all. And it turns out when you add those two together in the drawdown scenarios, it is the single, well, one of the biggest solution baskets of all. Is do we end up with 10 billion people, 9 billion people, or 8 billion people later in the century? Interesting factoid is a lot of the climate change scenarios that we have right now are using kind of baked into them for the future official UN population forecast, which are heading up towards 11 or so billion. I don't know any demographers in the world who believe that's going to happen anymore. Young women are changing dramatically their behaviors in terms of how many children they want, how when they start, and how um, much spacing they might have between children. Only 50 years ago, the average woman on Earth had 5.1 children. Today it's 2.4, and once we get to about 2.1, that's replacement level. So I, I'm actually that's really good news. Other than China, this was not coercive. Uh, it's just giving girls opportunities. So think of all the wonderful things
0: that unleashes in the world as well as helping with climate change. Yeah. So you had this book, and it had all these great ideas, and, and all the science and data. There's a whole yeah. data set behind this that I think yeah. you've made open source. Uh, and it's got a lot of attention. It's helped to sort of change the mindset from from emitting less to actually drawing down. And you mentioned uh, Intuit uh, and and the, the way that they've uh, uh, you know, baked some of this into into their, uh, their, their, their strategy and their programs. What are some of the other things that you've seen in corporate, or if you haven't, what are the things you, you think are sort of, sort of low-hanging opportunities? Well, it's really funny. when I, you know, I started just a couple
1: months ago, and one of the first things you do when you work in an organization and help take it over, you, you take stock of you know, your assets the liabilities, you know, what's working, what isn't, that kind of thing. And I was stunned how many uh, companies, a lot of them were in this room, I think, were calling up Drawdown, saying, hey, we want to be a drawdown company. And I was a little bit surprised, saying, you know, hey, well, why? I mean, you know, this is great stuff, but why in particular this framework? They said, well, first of all, you're the only people we know of that went across the board between electricity, heat, chemicals, food, forestry, everything, using the same method. So I don't have to call one group about electricity and bring in another consultant about food waste, somebody else about transportation. Like, you're a one-stop shop. I'm like, oh, OK, that's cool. The other thing was the word drawdown. They said, you know, and this is also why we had mayors and a lot of politicians calling us up saying we want to be a drawdown city, we want to be a drawdown country, a drawdown state. We're getting those all the time too.
0: Was that something you were actually offering, or they just came up with that?
1: They, they did. We didn't offer that. They just yeah. like, we had no offering for this at all. We still don't. I don't know how to respond to this demand. If you can help us with that, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, but we're getting these phone calls like all the time. And we're like my first question is, well, why? And finally had a, a politician kind of pulled me aside and said, John, it's because we can sell it like what do you mean? he means is well okay what do you want draw down we want to reverse global warming when do we want it as soon as we can that sounds pretty good right, right. the other alternative might have been like a scientist might have said what do we want uh, we want to get on mitigation pathways to eventually stabilize atmospheric CO2 to the Paris Accord 1.5 degree target for the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change you know when do we want it well eventually but it'll be phased in over the next couple of decades depending on you know like no <laughs> you know you can, so you can draw you, can, down. you, can, you almost can almost dance to it yeah know. exactly well draw down. it's not kind of like you know I like, maybe it's not the perfect word but people kind of get it like hey your blood pressure is going up what does your doctor tell you to do bring it back down or you gain too much weight over the holidays ooh that's not so good what do you want to do bring it back down to healthy, people get it. It's one word. And it's aspirational because we're not saying, oh, we're going to you know, just be less screwed in the future. We're like, nope. We're going to stop global warming and eventually hand our, uh, our you know, descendants a planet which is reversing climate change. It'll take a long time to reverse the heat that's in the atmosphere now, but at least we can stop the additional heating and begin to repair the damage. Uh, That's aspirational. People want to sell that. A CEO, an executive, a a political leader, that's something they can get behind. And I think that's an important lesson in terms of framing uh, anything you want to change in the world. Set an aspirational goal, tell people about a great vision of the future, not a doomsday vision of the future, and invite them to join. Um, I often joke like, you know, hey, Martin Luther King didn't say, I have a nightmare or you know or worse yet i have a powerpoint <laughs> um, you know he, he said i have a dream nightmare powerpoint is kind <laughs> of <the laughs> yeah, i don't know, know which different one's worse you know imagine the nightmare powerpoint yeah but it was i have a dream and it was a dream that you know it was uncomfortable for many people but everybody in their bones knew that this was the better world that they wanted their children to inherit even if it meant a lot of change and a lot of discomfort for some we all kind of knew it was right and uh, i think for climate change too that's such an important point we are not screwed on climate change, absolutely not. We only will be if we choose that. It's literally a choice to do nothing. That is a choice. We don't have to follow that choice. There are many other choices that are available that could lead to a much better world yeah. and they're waiting for us to choose
0: so 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 let me ask you in that context uh, does the, is the political does that mindset which is very different from what we've generally been. Does that mindset uh, sort of is a workaround around the current political uh, gridlock around this uh, or blockage? Is this a way of maybe circumventing that? Well, I mean, I think we've wasted a lot of time waiting
1: for the UN and Washington to save us, and um, I'm done. Uh, I've been thinking about this stuff for thirty years. Other people have been thinking about it longer. I'm done. Forget it. You want to change the world? I want to get the Fortune 500. I want to get private equity. I want China. I want the Pentagon. I want cities. People actually do stuff for a living. Let's get them to work. (laughs) And if we can bring the politicians on board later, great. And it's not all politicians, by the way. Uh, Jerry Brown did a really sneaky thing a couple months ago before leaving office. He was supposed to sign uh, what was called SB100, a bill to make all California electricity carbon neutral by 2045. He signed it. But he knew that electricity was only 15% of Californians' contribution to climate change. So there would still be 85% left. He signed then an executive order, which nobody saw coming. said, oh, by the way, we're going to edit electricity and make it the entire California economy. With a stroke of a pen, he just committed California to being carbon neutral completely everything by 2045. And well, thanks. I didn't do it, but he did. <laughs> <laughs> And he left office and handed it, hey, Gavin, here you go, and went out, out of town. You know, it was a pretty cool trick. Um, but you can't get elected in California without having a serious climate plan now. You cannot possibly win statewide office without doing that. And we're talking about the fifth largest economy in the world. If you take California, and if the other 49 states did nothing, the US still would have probably the number two climate commitment of every country in the world. Second only to what? Sweden,
0: maybe? Because of California.
1: Yeah, we're a third of the U.S. economy. So just California, boom—you had a third go to zero overnight, and that's 40 million people, fifth-largest economy on the planet. So cities, states, and companies—and that's where the action is. Forget about Washington right now. And a Green New Deal would be great, but don't wait for it. Keep going, what you're doing
0: too. Um, Before we go to Heather for a question, um, so. I still want to get to a little bit of the, of the brass tacks on the, on, the, on, the, on the from the business perspective, from the company perspective. It's like, uh, what would you like to see? What would be a first step to do? Right, I read the book. I get that. Get that. And we can you know, get that plug out of the way. But once they've read the book, they see this great menu of yeah. uh, of, of of possibilities of solutions. Um, what's a, a sort of the next step to take?
1: Well, what we'd really like to do is work with uh, maybe even just a handful of companies to pilot some of this, but how can we take the kind of drawdown framework, which is there are a lot of detailed models and data sets that our research team has put together on this stuff. How do we transform that and say, how do we put a drawdown for your company or your supply chain or your customer base and really drill down to the details? Because we can look not at just one or two climate solutions. We're going to look at 100 of them, and some of them are definitely going to surprise you. Every time we look at these in a different context, we are like, oh, I didn't think of that one. And so hopefully that would be one part of it. The other thing is Drawdown's communication framework, uh, just being more hopeful, more positive, more about opportunity, more about solutions than problems, is now by far the most popular framework talking about climate solutions the world's ever seen. If you want to use it with your company too, great, because we got to change what you do and we've got to change how we talk about climate change. Yeah. And we can help with both and we'd love to work with some leading companies to see if we can kind of move the bar Really quickly on the rest of the companies out there, and all of us,
0: and elevate the sites a little bit. Let's turn to one last time at this conference to Heather Clancy and Sidebar. Thank you. The role of digital technology has been referenced many times here this week as a, as a as a game as a solution. What role will nature play? Natural solutions in the drawdown narrative.
1: Yeah, that's really important. I'm glad uh, that nature is getting a lot of more attention as a climate solution because about a quarter. Of all the greenhouse gas emissions happen on land around the world. It's either by growing food, tearing down forests, or other things associated with kind of food and agriculture and how we interact with nature. How does society live sustainably with the natural world? Uh, so, about a quarter of our solutions should also come from that, too. It's estimated, you know, 20 to 30 percent of the answer to climate change would be protecting rainforest rebuilding our soils, not using so much chemical fertilizer, figuring out what to do with the methane, that cattle and rice fields often emit, and trying to figure those things out. And we can do that while also improving water quality, enhancing biodiversity protection, and other kind of so-called ecosystem goods and services. This is a win-win if we do it right. And the good news is we're doing so many things kind of wrong right now, we can turn it. The first rule about getting out of a problem is stop doing the dumb stuff. And unfortunately, we're doing a lot of Kind of dumb things like food waste. About I'm sure other people mentioned it too, but if food waste were a country, it'd be the third largest emitter of greenhouse gases on the planet mm-hmm. after China and the United States. That's uh, about like 12% of all greenhouse gases come from the 40% of the world's food that is never even eaten. Clearly we could do better with that.
0: That's huge. So as we bring this to a close, this session and this conference. It's so refreshing to have someone, a scientist or anyone, frankly, who is so optimistic about the possibilities. What advice do you have for our community about getting and staying optimistic? Well,
1: this sounds like a nuance, but I often like to just tell people optimism is one thing, hope is another, and then there's courage. Uh, I think there's a little bit of semantics here. But what you first need most of all, I think, is hope. Because hope is a verb. It requires that you get up and do something. Optimism is like, I'll let the invisible hand take care of it. Now, the world is going to change not because of invisible hands, but because of your hands, the ones that are really going to change the world. So I would ask us to have courage in the face of a really big challenge, like the people before us had in you know, fighting fascism, overcoming the depression, and, you know, working on civil rights, ending apartheid. There are so many generations that came before us that had even more daunting challenges in many ways. And they had courage. And they held out a hopeful, you know maybe they stared really big problems in the eye and said, I may not win, but I'm sure as hell not going to give up. And I'm going to quote our founder on this. Maybe last thought is some people say, oh, climate change is game over. And Paul Hawken, who founded Drawdown, says, no, it's not game over. It's game on. Bring it on. And just think about the people who came before us and the choices they made to risk it all so we could live a better life, and ask ourselves, what are we
0: doing for our next generation, and what choice do you want to make? Well, thank you for bringing the game on and and reminding us of of the possibilities that, that are staring us plainly in the face. And I hope instilling just a little bit more courage than people may have arrived with. uh, That is, I can't imagine a better way to end these three days than to just say courage. Please join me in thanking John. You've been listening to Project Drawdown Executive Director John Foley talk about the ways companies can contribute to stopping or even reversing climate change at the Green Biz 19 conference in Phoenix, Arizona. For more Center Stage Podcasts, go to greenbiz.com/slash stage And while you're there, tune into GreenBiz350, our weekly podcast covering the news and the people behind the news in sustainable business and clean technology. From all of us here at GreenBiz Group, I'm Joel McCower. Thanks for listening.